0: Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest drivers, trends and movements in livestock, grain and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar. I hope you're doing well. Today we have a new guest joining us and it's one for the lamb lovers out there. We have Will Barton from Gundagai Meat Processors here. Now, it's that time in the season where lamb supply is low, and new season lambs in New South Wales start to come on the market, and then we see a real ramp up from late September when Victorian supply picks up. So we're a few months away yet from the busy period for processes, and we're going to chat to Will about some of the challenges of this year, as well as the opportunities in the market. So... Will's family started Gundagai Meats in 1974, and the really exciting thing about their business is that they've launched a world-first lamb grid that pays producers on lean meat yield, weight, and intramuscular fat using objective measurement technology, and you'll hear more about that in this episode. Before we do get into the episode, though, a quick wrap of Livestock Markets this week. So despite all the rain we've seen across the country in the last month, supply of lambs and sheep has remained pretty strong for this time of year, uh, with good prices encouraging turnoff. So the Eastern States trade lamb indicator got to 924 cents per kilo this week, which is 17% higher than the same time last year. And heavy lambs are more expensive than trade lambs on a per kilo basis in Victoria and New South Wales at the moment. With the indicator 34% higher than 12 months ago. Uh, and for cattle markets, young cattle prices have slipped off those record highs, with the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator at 985 cents this week. Alongside those strong young cattle prices, though, we have seen a rapid rise in Finnish cattle prices, which is being driven by strong export demand and tight supply, with prices there gaining 20% in the last six weeks. You can head over to the Mercada website for more detail on those markets. Alrighty, I will hand over to Robert Herman and Will Barton now. I hope you enjoyed the episode, which we will get to after a quick thank you to this week's sponsor.
1: Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based scientific approach to farming and a personalised manner with their clients. Meridian specialises in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website meridian-ag.com.au to learn more. Thanks, Olivia. Yes, it is a really great pleasure for Commodity Conversations to have um, Will Barton come on. Now, Will's in charge of Gundagai meats. And um, by definition, they're based in Gundagai. If you look at where Gundagai is, it's really in the middle of, you know, the northern supply of lamb and the southern supply of lamb. So, Will, I think you're probably the best person to ask, what's the um, supply of lamb looking like in New South Wales now based on on what your clients are telling you and what you're observing?
2: Well, I think, I don't know that I am the best person to ask, but I'm one person you could ask, I guess, Rob, um, look, it's really it's really looking quite good. It's the the numbers that we're getting, or the anecdotal kind of conversations we're having with all the people that typically know what's going on in terms of vets um, scanning, and now and now producers marking and 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 following their lambing percentages. The the season looks like it's going to be a very good one after a couple of challenging years and a and a fairly aggressive restock through the last season.
1: Yep. So. That sort of leads on to this um, point and and we've noted at Mercado here that supply seems to be just slightly earlier and probably reflecting the good season and and producers thinking let's take a bit of this action but we know that um, in the springtime you know what's traditionally called the the spring lamb flush we can see a 25 to 30 percent increase in processing capacity. Now I know that you guys are generally ramping up to cater for that but that's going to be more difficult this year because everyone in agriculture and regional Australia is searching for that seasonal labour. How much do you normally increase staffing to cope with the spring lamb flush and what are your thoughts about coming into this season, Will?
2: Yeah, you know, I think every every season's a little bit different. So, so the concept of a, of a normal increase is probably um, not the best way to describe it. I know this year we need an additional 50 labour units in the next kind of two to three months to position ourselves to move from what's been our, our production volume over the last, say, six to 12 months going into a, a both a spring and a seasonal or, or an annual correction in terms of supply. So for us as a business, you know, trying to find 50 people, historically we would have gone straight to Southeast Asian populations typically on, on backpacking visas. And so those people would go into labouring positions Know, packing in our boning room those kinds of roles. And I think last year we probably were a little bit lucky in that we had some of those people's visas were extended, the backpackers, but this this year they're kind of not around anymore. And I guess last year the supply wasn't there either. so it was it was it was less dramatic this year without being able to access those those backpackers we're much more likely to set our our production, I guess our daily and weekly production schedule around labour than we are around livestock supply and and sort of market or, you know, commercial considerations, which is not a normal thing for us.
1: Normally, Will, we've seen that, you know, especially last year, you know, supply was very orderly, but that was because we had a good season. But if we went back, a couple of years previous, we had, you know, some really hot weeks in late August and September in New South Wales. And and that triggered some big supply of lambs onto the market. And I think at this price level, if we did happen to get that again, you could forgive farmers for just wanting to take some of the price. I mean, we're concerned about that should it happen. We need to think about things. So let's look at the positives and the negatives. Let's look at the negative. First of all, it must have a risk on price, I think.
2: I think that's certainly the case. I mean usually if you if you looked at an equation like that, when there are margins there for processes, which uh, there seems to be good surprise, good support for meat prices at the moment, particularly in the US, which is a major export market. There's low stocks there, so I think there's good uh, price support for for the end product. And so if you had a uh, you know a, a period where supply was increased because of a you know a seasonal pinch or, whatever that looked like, then, then usually that would be absorbed by increasing capacity, longer days, shift arrangements, those kinds of things. But certainly for our business, and I, I can't by any means speak for the, for the industry, but for our business, we, we simply won't be able to do that this year like we perhaps have been able to do historically when the opportunity came. So for us this year, I, I think there'll be a more of a limitation on how much we can respond to that despite what the, the commercial opportunity might look like. Um, and yeah that's you know going to have either the implication of reducing price or i guess pushing a lot of lambs back and and which may you know might create an opportunity for for restockers or you know and, and it might mean i guess that we've got a few kind of heavier lambs around later in the season
1: i think you mentioned the word opportunity and we're certainly keen to explore that because um as as subscribers to Mercado, would know that angus brown is very good at you know, identifying opportunities for trading lambs. And, you know, with a big grain harvest coming, hopefully, (laughs) we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves, but it certainly looks good at the moment. It may mean that there's some very good stubbles around. It may mean that there's opportunities to feed a lot. It may mean that with a good season, we're also able to just hold lambs back a bit. And I noted last year that our carcass weights were I think up two kilograms on the previous year we may have another year where there's very good carcass weights but those opportunities of pushing lambs back either to feed or, or hang on to is certainly going to help your business will and, and other processes
2: yeah I think certainly having a, you know a more orderly I guess meeting of the of the processing capacity with the supply of lambs is always. Helpful. The spring flush is not, not a particularly um, helpful one in terms of trying to manage capacity in a, in a processing facility. Obviously, our ideal situation is to process the same number every working day of the year, so that um, we can we can get the maximum efficiency out of our out of our plant. And so the ramp up ramp, ramp down is not doesn't really serve kind of many many people in the industry in a lot of ways. We see prices come off. We see you know, that that response is not a not an easy one. So, yeah, I think that smoothing probably does assist a business like ours.
1: You're listening to Commodity Conversations. We're talking to Will Barton today um, from Gundagai to Meets, And I've got to say, Will, what, reading some of the press, you really are sort of taking a bit of a lead in your area. You're probably going to play this down a bit, but you're taking a bit of a lead in looking at value-based pricing for, for lambs. And I know there are a lot of lamb producers out there over the years who have said, gee, you know, I think my lambs are pretty good. Um, it'd be nice if I got paid on the value of those lambs. Tell us a little bit about how your model works and, and how it's going and what sort of uptake you're getting from, from those uh, producers.
2: So I guess there's a, there's we haven't kind of um, introduced just one thing. Uh, we've introduced a couple of things at once. And so we've introduced, obviously, using our DEXA x-ray system which in our plant is it's actually the first hot side dexa unit in australia there's a couple more coming online now um but when i say hot hot side i mean on the slaughter floor so at the point of sale where we're capturing weight for over the hooks transactions we're also capturing the lean meat yield of the entire carcass and so we're we're using that as uh, a, a far more accurate measure than the uh, previous fat score system so we still report Fat score under the under the osmate structure, but we we also provide, I guess, what in effect is a bonus for higher lean meat yield, and uh, so so our pricing in our grid increases uh, with lean meat yield until we get to a point where we're you know jeopardising the carcass by being too lean, there's not enough fat cover, um, and we've also at the same time introduced uh, an intramas- intramuscular fat bonus of fifty cents per kilo, and in in essence, what we're doing is is sort of taking the first step to not paying for fat, um, and so essentially our our grid has a lower price where the where the carcass is sort of overly fat, so that sort of five score in the old scale, um, but also provides a bonus when when the carcass is of you know exceptional quality, and and, and the key indicator for that is intramuscular fat. So. There's kind of two things happening at once there, I guess, which means that it is a bit of a big step. Um, it's been really well received, I think, from from producers. And we're really happy with its progress. We're, I guess, still trying to find our place in the market. As a business, we, we were a exclusively fee-for-service-only business for about 20 years. So we haven't traded since the late 90s. And I guess that's... I think, allowed us to do things a little bit differently because we don't have an existing structure that we that we need to convince or existing producers that we need to convince to change. We're sort of starting again. Uh, the business has been here for over 45 years and and we've been in the industry as a family for over 100, but uh, we haven't traded uh, for about 20. So that, that really gives us the opportunity to come at it with fresh eyes and say, well, how would we imagine our supply chain and our producers? And what you find is that, the people who believe what you believe are attracted to you. And so, um, you know, lambs that have, that have performed pretty well on the intramuscular fat scale and, and achieved good bonuses are, are attracted back to you. And those with low IMFs are, are not attracted back to you because they're not rewarded for it. They can probably get better money somewhere else. And, and the ones that are sort of halfway there say, well, this might be worth leaning into and, and really trying to have a go at to, to maximise the return.
1: And I guess some of those breeders would also be taking it back to their genetics and their management to try and and um, and try and learn how to do things better. I can see that um, there would be a lot of producers who, who are these days, you know, very professional, highly sophisticated, who would just relish the idea of, um, you know, being involved in a supply chain where the, Quality they're producing is is identified and rewarded. Well, is that the sort of feedback you're finding from the farmers?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's really viewed in some ways as priceless information because it's information that nobody's um, been able to provide before, and, and no producers have have been able to to receive before at a commercial scale without you know onerous kind of lab costs and and sampling exercises. And I think that that's really exciting for the people that are interested. In it, I think we're still. If I had a dollar for every producer who'd asked me uh, what breed the best breed is, I'd be a millionaire already. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think really the the point about it is that, you know, there's a lot of surprises, a lot of a lot of interesting things that we're finding. You know, good mobs was the farmer focused on it is a fluke, and we're finding that some people have high MF and didn't realize it. Some people have high MF and have spent the last fifteen years selecting for it. There's no one sort of breed that's been doing particularly well. There's a, there's a real mix. There's no, you know, it's, it's not everything that's been, you know, grain-fed to finish. There's product coming off grazing granola that's doing well. There's product coming off pasture that's doing really well. So there's no there's no real macro themes to it yet. But the, the one common thread is that people that are paying attention to it are really excited by the prospect of being able to excel and do something with a product that, you know they've had a theory or a, or an idea or a, or a I guess a a direction they've taken, and now they can they can get some real data to prove whether or not they're on the right track. And so that's you know that creates challenges for some people that are on the wrong side of it, but it also creates a lot of opportunity and
1: excitement for those that are on the right side of
2: it. So we're we're really proud to be part of that that journey, I guess.
1: Well, as you know, Will Mikado loves the idea of making decisions based on data and identifying things. But when you start to add um, value to that measurement and that data, um, I think this is a really exciting uh, point for the lamb industry and uh, and you should be congratulated. Today, we're talking to uh, Will Barton from Gundagai Meats. And and Will, you mentioned that the family's been in the business for a hundred years. So I'm pretty sure you would know all the hidden gems of the Gundagai district. So here's your chance, Will, to talk to uh, all the listeners of Commodity Conversations. What's going on, at Gundagai? Because I'll tell you the one thing everybody knows: there's a dog sitting on a tucker box. But I'm sure there's a bit more to it than that. <laughs> we've
2: got slightly more more depth than that. Uh, the one thing I think people are really shocked to know most of the time is that there's only two thousand people in our town. Because I think we uh, we certainly punch above our weight in in national icons and and, and songs, etc. I guess we're we're sitting on the Hymn Highway, so we get a lot of passing traffic. We've got a lot of we've got one particularly good. Uh, Coffee shop and a couple of good, um, we've got a, a ripping park for kids in the middle of in the middle of town, which is brand new and um, is a great place to pull off the highway too. If I had to pick one, I'd say Nimbo Fork Lodge, which is a, a fishing lodge, which was built sort of in the last ten years, which is on about, about twenty minutes out of Gundagai, but it's got a great little restaurant there. Three Blue Ducks. They've got a restaurant in I think Melbourne and Sydney and one in Byron Bay as well, and uh it, it's, it's only been there for a little while, the restaurant, but it's it's probably a bit of a hidden gem at this point and uh, serves really, really nice, high IMF Gundagai lamb. So that's where I'd be heading if I was coming to Gundagai, Rob.
1: Oh, beautiful segue just to get the uh, little advert for Gundagai <laughs> Meats in there too, Will. Um, Will, look, we, we really appreciate your time. I, I think we've been watching for some time what you're doing and, and these sort of changes don't happen quickly there's always difficulties but they do require a consistent approach and so we congratulate you on that i think also on um, commodity conversations live this is a first we're now getting culinary advice we're looking at, uh, at and i like that the three was it three three little ducks restaurant and three blue ducks there. yeah and go up there and order the um gundagai meats IMF lamb and uh, you can't go wrong i think
2: Thanks, Rob. I, I think the one thing that I find myself saying a lot is that we by no means think we have all um, the answers here, but we're, we're kind of willing to ask a lot of questions and and come at it with an inquiring mind and and hopefully learn a lot with producers about how to do everything better. And so, yeah, a really exciting time, I think, for the lamb industry in general.
1: Well, thanks, Will. And, and I know that you're involved in other, um, you know, you give your time to other industry uh, initiatives, It's really important that you keep going. We love talking to you. Thanks a lot. All the best. And we'll hope we'll catch up again soon. My pleasure. Sounds good, Rob.
0: A big thank you to Will Barton and, of course, Rob for today's episode. And thank you to all the listeners that have been reviewing and sharing the podcast. We've really loved hearing from you and appreciate all the feedback and support. I hope you have a great week. And until next time, take care.